This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Article 22 of the Belgic Confession. That's found on page 507 in the Book of Praise. Article 22 of the Belgic Confession. We'll read that part of our confession together. Our justification through faith in Christ. We believe that in order that we may obtain the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts a true faith. This faith embraces Christ with all his merits, makes him our own, and does not seek anything besides him. For it must necessarily follow either that all we need for our salvation is not in Jesus Christ, or if it is all in him, that one who has Jesus Christ through faith has complete salvation. It is therefore a terrible blasphemy to assert that Christ is not sufficient, but that something else is needed besides him. For the conclusion would then be that Christ is only half a savior. Therefore, we rightly say with Paul that we are justified by faith apart from works of the law. That's Romans 3 Verse 28. Meanwhile, strictly speaking, we do not mean that faith as such justifies us, for faith is only the instrument by which we embrace Christ our righteousness. He imputes to us all his merits and as many holy works as he has done for us and in our place. Therefore, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And faith is the instrument that keeps us with him in the communion of all his benefits. When those benefits have become ours, they are more than sufficient to acquit us of our sins. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the Bible, the heart is the center of our being. When we talk about a gut reaction which moves us to think or say or do something, we are talking about the response of our heart. Your heart is like an inner compass that you use to determine right and wrong. It serves like the center of gravity in, in a body and, and somebody who, who's skiing or a snowmobile rider that, that determines their ability to navigate a course, to react to different situations. It, it's our grounding. If your compass or your center of gravity is out of line, then everything that you are trying to do will be affected. The scriptures reveal to us that ever since the fall into sin, the heart is deceitful and has become an untrustworthy compass, and an unholy fountain of sinful desires. It's not surprising to learn then that when God chose to restore us to fellowship with him, the heart became his headquarters. With his power, the Holy Spirit enters dead and barren hearts of fallen sinners in order to prepare the soil and plant the seed of faith and bend our will and align it once again with God's will. If you imagine your heart like wet, cold, dead wood, the Holy Spirit 
as we confess, is like a flame from heaven that kindles it into fire. The fire of faith is kindled right in the hearts of all those whom God has chosen so so that they trust in Jesus Christ for their entire salvation. Their compass is pointing to Christ. And this work of God in our hearts is completely life-changing. For instead of proudly relying on our own strength, we, we confess, I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We also confess by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. That's the very first answer part of our confession in the Heidelberg Catechism. And I preach to you this gospel under the following theme, that faith from the Spirit leads us to embrace Christ, our only Savior. We'll see that by this faith we look to Christ alone and we make Christ our own. You could see at the very beginning of Article 22 of the Belgian Confession that we confess the Holy Spirit kindles faith in our hearts in order that we may obtain the true knowledge of this great mystery. You can really see 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 behind these words. By God's grace, we are blessed with the secret and hidden wisdom of God, which He has revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. And what did He reveal to us? He, he revealed to us that God is gathering His elect in time and ensures not only that they know about God their Savior from His revealed Word, but they also have a sure confidence that their God declares them righteous. When the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, we understand that the entire world, including the elect, were guilty of high treason, rebellion, insurrection, so that God's curse of eternal separation and punishment from God lay on them all. When we have true knowledge, we understand that the entire human race, left on its own, is, as Paul describes in Ephesians 2 verse 1, dead in our sins. Dead in sins. And the fact that we are dead in our sins means that we are unable to point to anything in ourselves to explain why God declared us righteous, why he justified us. Since we were dead in our sins before God intervened in our lives, it, it means that we couldn't have been better than other people. One dead person is like the next in terms of what they're able to do. If God was waiting for us to show some signs of faith before he, he justified us, he, he would have been waiting a, a very long time for all eternity. Even, as some teach, if, if God infused some extra grace in your dead corpse so that you could choose to do the right thing if you were alive, while well, your deadness would prevent you from even giving the slightest thought toward the first movement, toward one good work. There is nothing you can give a dead person to help him get to his feet alive so that no one might boast in the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 29. 
So how, so how is it? It's, it's 1 verse 29. So how is it that you and I are sitting in this building worshiping God? If that's the case. And that's where we come to face to face with that text that we saw displayed on the wall as we were walking in today. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9. It says it very clearly. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. You weren't saved because of your faith or the possibility of someday having faith because faith can't even declare you innocent. Only God can. Only God, the Almighty Judge, who judged the sinner guilty, who gave the curse of death as punishment, is able to then raise a dead person by recreating and renewing their hearts in order to declare them innocent. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Out of his good pleasure and his perfect will, God saved you just as you were because of his love. Yet, dear Christian, God's out-of-the-blue love and grace to you did not come without a cost. He was only able to declare you innocent because His only begotten Son was punished in your place for your guilt. Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. God is only able to declare you righteous because Christ was perfectly righteous for you and in your place. When God justifies you, when He declares that sinners are righteous in His sight, He is imputing to you all the merits of Christ and as many holy works as He has done for us and in our place. That's how we have it worded in our confession. And the only reason that the holy God can declare you to be innocent is because He satisfied His own justice when He sent His own Son. We know nothing but Christ crucified. The Scriptures are very clear that Christ's work is eminently sufficient. And therefore we confess that it's a terrible blasphemy to assert that something else is needed besides Him. For the conclusion would then be that Christ is only half a Savior. Everything the Lord imputes to us when He justifies us has been obtained for us by Christ Jesus and then given to us out of mere grace, without any merit of our own. Christ knew those whom God had given to Him ahead of time. And then He obeyed the law as the representative of God's chosen children. He died for His sheep. He rose from the dead so that we might be declared righteous with Him. And He sent His Spirit into our hearts so that we might always be united with Him. The message of the Gospel is God, 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 and His love. The special bond that unites you, believer, with Jesus Christ, so that you are atoned by His blood, so that you are declared victorious and righteous and holy with Him, that bond is called faith. 
We are connected to Christ simply by repenting of our sins and believing that He is our Savior, that we need Him. Faith makes us look to Christ alone. Because when the Holy Spirit gives us faith, He is really binding us to Jesus Christ and to all His benefits. He's grafting us into Christ and making us a living member of His body, His church. And we can think of it by imagining a great crowd of people who don't know how to swim, defiantly ignoring their leader's orders and jumping off a ledge into the water that's way over their head. So they're, they're in the water and, and they're drowning by their own fault. And then a rescue team comes and chooses a certain number of people to save. They then save those people by tying a rope around them in the water to connect them to the helicopter that takes them away. The people were not chosen because they had ropes but they were given ropes because they were chosen. And only the ropes that were given to them were able to save them because those were the ropes that were connected to the helicopter. In the same way, we believe that out of His grace, good pleasure, His infinite wisdom, God chose us. And after he chose us without giving, any, without giving any consideration to what we were or what we would do for ourselves, God gave us faith that binds us to Christ, that connects us to his gracious gift. It's a necessary element of our salvation. And it's only when our faith is in Jesus Christ that we will be saved. And when our faith is in Christ, then we make him our own. When the Spirit gives you faith, then you see. You see the love of the triune God poured out upon you. You see the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You experience the comfort of that love. You have a desire in your heart to to investigate that love further to imitate that love in your life. Faith is the arm extended to receive the gift from God. But faith is also the arm that that brings the received promises close and, and opens them up like gifts so that they are real for us in our lives. And the wording of our confession is very striking in this regard. For it says... This faith embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits, makes him our own, and does not seek anything besides him. And later on, we confess that one who has Jesus Christ through faith has salvation. So what does that mean, to make Christ our own? How can we have him? Sometimes people understand this to mean that we make him our friend. It's a decision on our part that we decide to have him as our friend or or we take him to have him like a husband or, or a wife. Others just see him as a means to an end 
So they might interpret the words, make him our own, to mean that we simply employ him as our servant to help us get to eternal life. Or we choose him as a path that we walk on to get to God. Or we put him forward as our credit card to to pay our debt for us. We make him our debt payer. And in a culture that likes to put God in their back pocket, there's a good reason to feel a little nervous about this language. And so it's important to understand that when the church speaks of making Jesus Christ with all his merits our own, it's a statement of belief. It's a statement of submission. And to understand what it means to make Christ our own, we are to think of Thomas' reaction when the risen Christ spoke to him and let him put his fingers in his hands inside, to touch his hands inside. And Thomas recognized that Jesus was his Lord and his God. And he made Christ his own with a confession. My Lord and my God. Making Jesus Christ your own means declaring him to be your Lord, not your servant. Embracing him as the one you turn to for help. So the Psalms say, my rock, my strength, my salvation. It means bowing down in submission to him, not putting him in your back pocket as if he was a tool. In 1 John 4 verse 2, the Holy Spirit assures the church that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And then goes on to explain that having him as an advocate is coming to know him. It's abiding in Him. It's walking in the same way in which He walked. To make Christ our own is to leave every other master that might vie for position of control in our hearts and to take our stand under Christ's banner and as a subject, a soldier in His heavenly kingdom. To have Jesus Christ is to have your hearts oriented to his love it is to embrace all his merits embrace that that for the children that word means hug to to receive with joy all that christ has obtained so that he is the compass in your life and that's not just to embrace with the intellect it's not just a mind decision but also as every good embrace is an embrace with emotions, with wills, with physical bodies. The Spirit works faith in Jesus Christ in our very hearts, the seat of our being. And when we have Christ as our Lord and our Savior, my God and my Lord, it's going to influence our gut feelings, our gut reactions our inner compass, the things that we treasure most in our time here in the world. We are taught by the Spirit who comprehends the thoughts of God and then we, we read, gives us the mind of Christ. 
Kingdom loyalty finds its seat within us. We are characterized by loving submission to Christ. We happily take our place as members of His body, the the church. These are physical, emotional, will, mental elements. When Christ is in us and we are in Him, our true knowledge is evident by the fire of love in our heart that is kindled by the Holy Spirit so that our praise is is heartfelt, our joy is expressed with laughing devotion. And we're as talkative and excited about our glorious Savior as we are about the Oilers defeating the Canucks again. When we have Christ, we entrust our lives to the triune God. We place our confidence in Him. We turn to Him for comfort. We find it in His promises. And we seek to imitate Him. We are pulled from our centers following Him. And so we study His promises with diligence. When we have Christ, when we have Christ, when we make Christ our own, His love brings us to action. His victory encourages us. His grace overwhelms us. It brings a a smile to our face. We feel the joy overflowing. Our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strength are, are eager to lift up the cup of salvation in celebration like we'll sing in Psalm 116. And that eagerness to open the presence to make them our own. It reminds us of what we just read together in the form for baptism. We just again reflected on the promises of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You could see it right there, that that love of the triune God in promise form. We are baptized as children of believers. Our parents promised to instruct us about those presents from the triune God, to, to hold them out to us, to describe their contents. We just saw Glenn and Greta doing that again this, this afternoon with Johanna before them. So what does it look like when we believe God's promises, when we make Christ our own, when we receive all that God has promised us at our baptism? Well, we take his words seriously. We accept what God has said for us and to us as true. And so we live as adopted children. We live certain of the forgiveness of all our sins. We live in anticipation of that day when we will join the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. We live holy, set apart, dedicated lives. We want what our King wants and we want it from our insides. And the glow of His work in our lives is seen in good good works and love. What James calls the vital signs of faith. Connected to the light source by faith, by by that rope, by that connection. His light now shines in you and then through you into the world. And since faith resides in our hearts, our gut reaction is to trust in God. 
And we are joyfully led by the Spirit constantly to the light of Christ that shines in the darkness. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, the Holy Spirit urges the church to recognize that Jesus Christ is in you. This is something that you can examine and something you can see. He says, test and see whether you are in the faith. Because when you have Jesus Christ, you are also united to the communion of all his benefits. And on the day of judgment, it will not be your works or your blood shed that will count for anything, but it will be his death, his righteousness, the holy works of God's Son completed for you and in your place because you made him your own. By faith, you were grafted into his body, which is the church on earth, and by faith you made him your substitute, your savior, your advocate, your king, and your Lord as you bowed before him in submission. Let us worship him with all our heart, with all of our being, that inner compass the, from the gut, in minds, and emotion, and soul, and body. Amen.